um, Pamela passing out bulletins beforehand. So everybody should have the scripture in front of them uh, if you don't have your Bible with you. Uh, and then it will appear behind me also. And I think all of our kiddos that want to be back there are back there now. So uh, just a reminder, your kids never have to go to the nursery. They're always welcome to go to the nursery. If you have a specific adult that you don't want to deal with, you can try and send them to the, the nursery also. I'm not saying it would work. I'm just saying that I wouldn't stop you. That's all. And we'll see how this goes. If the interference continues, I'll swap microphones. So, but I'll need you to kind of warn me on that. Abishwa is going to be generous enough to operate the scripture behind me, and I'm going to read from my Bible. So we're reading uh, the 11th chapter of John's gospel, starting at verse 17. We're going to go through verse 27. This is what the word of the Lord says. On his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Now Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem, and many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them in the loss of their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed at home. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha answered, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she replied. I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, who is to come into the world. After she had said this, she went back and called her sister Mary aside. The teacher is here. He said, or she said, and is asking for you. When Mary heard this, she got up quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not yet entered the village, but was still at the place where Martha had met him. When the Jews who had been with Mary in the house, uh, in the house comforting her, noticed how quickly she got up and went out, they followed her, supposing she was going to, uh, going to the tomb to mourn there. When Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews had, who had come along with her were also weeping, he was deeply moved in the spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him, he asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. Jesus wept. The Jews said, see how he loved him. But some of them said, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying? Now, during the past year, maybe 18 months ago, one of my favorite TV series came on. I didn't know it was going to be my favorite at the time. Uh, it, it, for me, kind of revived what I would consider a dying um, property. I, I don't know about you guys. I'm kind of fed up with Marvel movies. I'm a little tired of them. And on Disney+, Plus, if you have Disney+, Plus. Uh, this series called What If came out. So it popped up. Was that you? Because I didn't, I don't think I hit the button. All right, thank you. This came up. Now, the whole premise of What If is, well, it's kind of self-explanatory. Is what if? What if something different happened and how would that have turned out? So, like, instead of Captain America, you have, I forgot her name, Captain Carter. Carter. There we go. Thank you. Who was it? There we go. Thank you very much. Because it was what if instead of Steve Rogers getting this, Carter got it, got the medicine, and she becomes the superhero? Well, she's British, so she would be doing it with a British flag on, on her chest and such. And 
all of these things changed slightly. So instead of, of um, oh my word, my mind's going blank. I love Marvel and why am I doing this? Instead of Star-Lord being Chris Pratt's character, Star-Lord is, um, thank you, T'Challa, who would be Black Panther. My word, why am I forgetting this? <laughs> oh, wow, goodness. All of these characters are different. And I don't know about you, but there's, there's a lot of, of time travel and dimension travel movies that are out there. And invariably, most of the time, they're asking, what if? What if we could have done something a little different? If only we could have gone back and changed something. There's other movies. So, Back to the Future. The whole point of it is, if we can go back and change this one thing back to the way it's supposed to be, it's going to be all right. And if you notice, they change one thing and then something else happens and they have to go back because you need another movie and then they have to change something and go back again because you need another movie. We do this all the time where we are looking at things and we are saying, if we could go back in the past and just do something different. Now, uh, let's use a timeline. So there's a timeline. And let's say that you created a clicker that works. You created MySpace. Now, if you created MySpace, right now you're probably sad because I think MySpace actually still exists. It does? Okay. <laughs> yeah, because if you, I never actually joined MySpace, but if you joined MySpace, you were like a friend of Tom immediately, right? Yeah, he has a white t-shirt, right? I don't know. I was never on MySpace. He had a white t-shirt. Yeah. That's a great defining characteristic. You're the guy with the, the white t-shirt. Think though, if you could go back in time and create Instagram. Now, Instagram has about a third of the population of the world on it right now. Think of that. There are three billion people on Facebook and Instagram right now. About, the majority right now is on Instagram, it's more popular than Facebook. About a third of the world is on Instagram. You'd be very happy, you'd love to go back in time and change that and say, instead of creating MySpace, make Instagram. Or instead of creating, um, well, Microsoft actually is doing really well right now, but a while back it wasn't. You know, it would have been like, instead of Microsoft, do Apple. It's all this tendency to kind of go back. And the reason I'm bringing this up is this passage today, well, it kind of deals with the past, the future, and the present in our discussions. And if you look at it, you're going to see it. So here, let's start off with the past, okay? When we, we focus on the past here, we have two characters that are coming back and are saying, if something had happened earlier, it would have changed what we're presently going through. Martha runs out to meet Jesus, which is an interesting thing. If you have read about Mary and Martha before, you know that their story is somewhat reversed beforehand. Mary and Martha are mentioned earlier. Mary is at the feet of Jesus learning from his teaching, and Martha is in the back doing all the cooking and cleaning. Some of you, and I'm not real big, truthfully, on birth order stuff, uh, but some people really like it. If it works for you, great. That's wonderful. But some of the firstborns here are going to be going, well, I would have been in the kitchen preparing everything. And some of the secondborns are not actually thinking about where they would be at all, according to the birth or other stuff, because everybody's focused on you instead. But Martha was doing all the work, and she got a little perturbed, and she came and said, Lord, aren't you going to tell Mary to come take care of stuff also? And Jesus says to Martha, Mary's chosen the right thing here. The story we have here 
Mary and Martha both hear that Jesus is coming. This is me interpreting. The Scripture does not point blank say that Mary was in a bit of a tiff, but it point blank says that Martha went to, sit to, uh, to greet Jesus and Mary stayed at home. I think she was being a little petty. I don't know that. That's me. What I know is Martha went and, and uh, interacted with the Lord first. And what does she say? As a part of the conversation, she says, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Now, this is not a new phrase, okay? Uh, she's going to say it, and Mary's going to say it also. Here's the first interaction Mary has with Jesus. Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. They are both looking at Jesus, and they are saying, if you'd been here, things would have been different. And there's a little bit of accusation that's a part of that, too. They know that Bethany was not that far away. They know that it was not a situation where it would take Jesus two days to get there. They're saying things could have been different. If you were here, the past would not have worked out the way that it worked out. Why weren't you here? Now, there's a future statement, too, that's a part of this. So, let's talk about the future for just a little bit. Jesus starts the conversation with Martha, and when he starts the conversation with Martha, he asks, what do you believe, basically? She says the following. She says the statement, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Now, what she's saying here is a pretty common Jewish belief at the time. Most ancient Near Eastern Jews believed that there would be a resurrection at the end of time. Not all. Specifically, there was one group called the Sadducees that did not believe in the resurrection of the dead. But most of the other groups, so your leading groups at the time, you would have had the Pharisees and the Essenes in addition to this. Both of those groups believed that there would be a resurrection at the end of time. Most popular thought, and the reason I say popular thought is think about the religious thought that you know is in the church, the religious thought that you know is, has been thought up by theology, and then think of religious thought that is outside of the church. There's a popular theology that happens. You probably have heard somebody say to you, God will never give you anything that you cannot handle. You have never heard me say that in the church because that is not true. It is not a truthful statement. Scripture shows again and again that we have a God who loves to give people things they cannot handle because it forces us to depend upon Him. My per personal definition of, of if you were given something and you die as a result of it, you could not handle it. That's, maybe I'm wrong there, but that's what I think. The disciples were given a task and what happened? They died. But they didn't turn their back on Jesus. Popular theology says you'll never be given something you can't handle. I have people say it to me all the time, and I have to figure out, do I correct them at this moment, or do I just let them, let them uh, deal with this because we have other issues? Popular theology at the time for ancient Near Eastern Jews said there was a resurrection of the dead, and it's something we believe in also, something I believe in also. She had said, Jesus, if you were here, things would have been different. And he says, your brother will rise again. And she says, I know he will rise again at the resurrection of the dead. 
She goes from pointing to the past and saying it could have been different to pointing to the future and saying it will be different. The reason I bring this up is, well, Karl Marx, not somebody I think I have ever quoted in a, a passage before or not, says a statement that you've probably heard. You've probably heard it translated as the opiate of the people. Uh, that's not a bad translation. I am not a, a German scholar, but I did do a lot of research on this, and most of them were saying it, it's probably more accurate opium, but it doesn't really matter. Here's the statement. It says this. Religion is the sigh of the oppressed creature, the heart of a heartless world, and the soul of soulless conditions. It is the opium of the people. And his point was being that people were using religion to look at those who were oppressed and saying, it'll be better in the next life. In our own history, this was said to slaves. People literally used Scripture, a book that is all about freedom. The defining event of the Old Testament is the freeing of slaves. And people use the passage to say, it'll be better in the next life. That's what she's doing a little bit right here. I've lost my brother. I wouldn't have lost him if you were here back then. I know I'll get him one day in the future. Future tense says, this will be different. But here's what I want you to focus on. Jesus kind of responds to this in a different situation. He brings it to the present. Jesus says the following. He says this, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die and whoever lives, excuse me, and whoever lives by believing me will never die. Do you believe this? He is redefining what is happening. Mary and Martha said, if you were here, he would not have died. Martha said, I know he will come back to life at the end. Jesus says, this can be different now. And I believe that's not just the fact that Jesus is going to raise Lazarus from the dead. It's different in the way they respond to. One of the first names given for Jesus in, in the New Testament is Emmanuel. It says, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us, quoting from Isaiah. We turn this into some sweet little Christmas thing, whereas it is a challenge to everything we experience. We no longer experience things as God could have made it different in the past. We no longer experience it as God will make it okay in the future. We experience it as God is here with us right now, and that changes how things are happening. It changes the possibilities of what can happen, and it changes how I should respond to everything. Romans 8.28, a passage that you may have heard quoted uh, multiple times before, I've quoted it multiple times before, says the following, and we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. It doesn't say that all things are good. All things will not be good. What little Jasper has gone through, that will never be good. What some of you have gone through relationally, that will never be good. What some of you have gone through personally, that will never be good. But it doesn't have the final say. 
had a professor at seminary that used to say, in the face of Jesus, even evil has to say amen. He changes the way we experience everything. And then we have the choice of whether or not we choose to believe that. Whether or not it becomes our standard. I'm going to use my cajon playing as an example. Sermons are never supposed to be about the pastor, but this is a negative example, so I think that's okay. I know one pattern. Now, to be honest, you can do a lot with one pattern. If you've ever played percussion, you know that you can, you can do a, a decent amount because I, I have a brush, I have a cymbal, which makes me feel really good to have a cymbal in church. All of you should bring your own cymbals. That would be a lot of fun. You can do a lot with one pattern, but it is very limiting. So today, Clancy was, was uh, starting a song. He said, Robert, it's going to be halftime at this one spot, and then the chorus, I like the beat you've got there. The, the chorus is really good for that. But during the verse, we're going to do halftime. Now, during my generation, we watched a show called Peanuts, which is Charlie Brown. And whenever the adults would speak, does anybody remember what that sounds like? Yes. And when Clancy said halftime, my mind was going, wah, 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 wah. Had not the slightest idea what he was talking about. When I play with Eric, it drives him nuts because for me to be able to emote, I either beat harder <laughs> or softer. That's my range there. It's the only thing I have. When we, the only thing we have is to expect to, Jesus to be there, that's a good thing. But the reality is, is we have been raised in a world that expects an answer where Jesus is not there and we have to, to ask him to break us free of that. Because when we view circumstances, we do not view it as though Jesus is there with us in the midst of this. Our faith uses lots of traditions and lots of symbols that talk about things that are meant to help us recognize that Jesus is there with us. Hebrews uses a lot of examples of this. Here, here's one example. Hebrews 11:1 1 says, Now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. That literally, in the circumstances you are, are in, both good and bad, there are things that we do not see that are going on in the midst of that not only that are going on in the midst of that, but our God is there with us. When we expect to see Jesus and he's our only answer, suddenly we see him in our best moments and in our worst moments. When he's the only answer you have, you find him in everything. But again, we've been raised in a world that expects answers that are not from Jesus at all. And so we don't see him around us at all. Hebrews also refers to, to our faith as an anchor. And Jesus is an anchor. This is also from Hebrews. It's Hebrews uh, chapter 6. There we go. We have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. It enters the inner sanctuary behind the curtain where our forerunner, Jesus, has entered on our behalf. He has become a high priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. Anchor was the earliest symbol of the Christian faith. Here's one example of this. This is literally graffiti that was, was scratched into the wall. An anchor was used as possibly the very first symbol for Christianity. We have a lot of symbols, okay? It's not just the cross. 
if you look at a lot of different uh, churches will have different things, such as the Cairo, which is an X, which looks like a P, and it. it's the first two letters of Christ in Greek. Uh, there's lots of other examples. Ichthus is one example. That's why you see fish all the time, because Ichthus is, is used in a, as an acronym for, for Jesus Christ, Son of God. Uh, so the anchor was used, and to be completely honest, it was probably a bit of a, bit of a, a hidden trick by early Christians. You might see a cross in there already if you look. Everybody see the cross? I mean, it's not hidden very well. Whoops, that'd be the wrong button. It's not hidden very well. Apparently, the Romans were not as smart as they like to think they are, but like, there's literally a cross right there. But they would use the anchor, one, because it was slightly hidden, but two, to say, I know what we're going through right now is rough. I know it feels like the waves are going to come over, over the gunny wells and we're going to sink. I know it feels like the storm is terrible. But we have an anchor that holds us solid. See, that's present thinking. That's not, Jesus, you could have changed things in the past. Jesus, you could have made the storm where it never happened. It's not, oh, it'll be all okay in the sweet by and by. It is. I don't know what's going on right now, and I hurt because my brother died. But my anchor is here right now. We're, we're so good at pointing out the flaws of people in Scripture. It's really easy to pick on Mary and Martha and be like, why didn't they just believe in Jesus? But they came to him with their feelings, saying, if you'd been here, it'd have been different. They didn't deny him. Martha recognized, it'll be different in the future. And they listened when Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. Present tense. He didn't say it could have been different. He didn't say it will be different, even though it will be different. He, he said in essence, here we'll come back to that. This can be different now. All of your circumstances, everything you're facing, it can be different. And that doesn't mean Jesus is going to remove it. Sometimes he will. Sometimes he won't. Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane prays and says, Father, if you can take this cup away, take it away. And Jesus doesn't get a yes, I'll take it away. He gets a no. The Father tells the Son, no. And how does the son respond? He gets up and he walks through the whole process because he knows even when he shouts from the cross, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He knows that the father will never forsake him. We hear him say that and we think, oh my gosh, he thinks he's been forsaken. But he's quoting from the 22nd Psalm, which ends in praise and faith. You can read the entire crucifixion through reading the 22nd Psalm. And when you hit the end of that passage, while it is saying, I feel forsaken, it calls out that God is there. Now, that slide that I skipped over. <laughs> there. Was that you? Thank you. It's a potter's wheel. Now, if you want to see a potter's wheel, I'm just going to go ahead and volunteer Natalie because she has one. 
If you follow her on social media, apparently she's been trying to figure out all of these glazes, which I just think is completely funny that Natalie Glaze is trying to figure out all these glazes. It makes me laugh. Uh, I don't know. Real quickly, were you able to save any of these glazes? Okay, not yet. But I like that. I like that message. Not yet. But she's, I, I know that I am not, I'm not tracking you. You're putting this on social media so I can read it. Okay. Uh, but I know you're, you're trying to expand this. So if you need to see a potter's wheel, just hit Natalie up. I'm volunteering her. I'm sure she's going to be like, well, sure. I'd love to. Now clean my house. Um, but the whole point of a potter's wheel is clay is taken and formed into something else. The reason uh, that I showed the video from Brian Zahn at the, the beginning was not so much that we would do the Lord's Prayer, but because what he said prayer was about. And I love the fact that, that um, Clancy came here and said, hey, I've got four people reading Scripture today. We treat church as we're here to learn things, but the reality is we're here to be formed into the type of people who see Jesus in everything. And that takes lots of little small uh, touches and lots of little small details. You slowly but surely get formed into the type of person who does believe that he's the resurrection and the life. It doesn't mean that you always understand what's going on. It means that you see Jesus in the midst of it even when you hate what's going on. Mary and Martha were formed into those type of people. The type of people who could come up to Jesus and literally say, it could have been different. But even now, I know that whatever you ask the Father, He will give. I don't know everybody's circumstances in the room. I know a lot of people's circumstances in the room, but not everybody's. I don't know what you went through yesterday. What I know beyond a shadow of a doubt is Jesus was there. And He wants to use that moment to shape you into the type of person who, one, believes he is their anchor, and two, responds to the moment by seeing Jesus in it. Sometimes that will call us to action. Sometimes it will call us to do nothing. But we will see Jesus in it. One of the stupid little preacher jokes you hear hear every now and then is, is that a preacher was telling a story about a squirrel during a children's sermon. And he described it with a bushy tail and uh, full of fur and would climb up trees and like to eat peanuts. And he asked the kids, what is it? And one of the kids responded with, Pastor, it sounds like a squirrel, but since you're telling the story, I know it has to be Jesus. It sounds stupid. But it's a really good situation when our first answer always is Jesus. So before I end, and we end, we sing a prayer, which I think truthfully is one of the most formative things we do. Does anybody have anything to add? I'll take that as a no. Oh, I'm so sorry, Aaron. <laughs> you're, you're backlit. I literally can just see it like your, your silhouette. Thank you, Natalie. <laughs> yes. Do I know the name of the what? Oh, I don't. No, no, I actually, I'm sorry. Thank you. Uh, I tried to look it up. Here's what I, I do you know it? 
Okay, I don't know it. Uh, what I can tell you, here, let's go back to that real quick. Now it's working. So um, you can get tiles of this. I know they're for sale because I found them on Etsy, but I could not find it. Um, but there's other graffiti that's there too. So no, I do not know the name of it. It is one of the, the most ancient ones. And um, it's not the only one. There's a lot of anchors that are used for that. Uh, this is kind of the classic one. You'll see a lot of artists who've kind of finished it out there. Sorry. Thank you, though. Anybody else? This is a freebie. I would encourage you to look up some symbols uh, in a population that was not as literate as our population is. Uh, there, some of our literacy has gone down, but uh, our population is still significantly more literate than the ancient Near Eastern population would have been at the time, even though uh, the, the ancient Near Eastern Jewish population was probably the most literate population uh, during that time period. But uh, Christians used a lot of symbols to convey things, and there's a lot of beauty in that. Uh, if you were raised in a liturgical church, um, you, you had a lot of different wordage and such for the church building. Anybody know what an anthrax is? No, anthrax is a poison. Non-anthrax, there we go. <laughs> Anybody know what an anthrax is? Okay. If you look at all the terminology of a liturgical church, it refers to ark ter in terminology because the church was considered an ark. Uh, why? Because you go into the ark for salvation. I, it makes a lot more sense when I don't say anthrax. Um, <laughs> so uh, our, our history has used a lot of that. I would encourage you to use it. Uh, there are a lot of people that actually use tattoos for that reason as good symbols. The anchor is probably my favorite. Uh, because uh, the anchor holds you steady in the midst of a storm. Anybody else have anything to add? Okay. Well, then let's sing this prayer. I don't know why I keep on pointing at the screen. The computer's back there. Can you take me to the, the doxology? <laughs> Would you join with me in our closing prayer? Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him, all creatures here below. Praise Him above, ye heavenly host. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Amen. Go in the name of the one who takes every circumstance. And yes, he could have changed it in the past. Yes, he probably will change it in the future. But he can change how you experience it right now. Go in his name. Go in His grace, experience His mercy. Have a good week.